But I'll tell you, you have failed so far. And if somehow you were able to sing a song now, bringing these boys together you haven't even met, and make something so personal, so new, that the whole world takes notice, and that your life is never the same again. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. Hello and welcome to the new album show. My name is Danny Yao, and this is a podcast featuring live performances and interviews with musicians who have new albums. Today's episode, we talk to Sydney singer-songwriter Brian Estepa. Brian has been making some of the best melodic pop I've heard for many years. He released his fifth album earlier this year called Every Little Thing. It saw Brian strip back his band sound to a three-piece for something more direct. Brian played a couple of songs and then we had a chat. He opens with Object of My Disaffection and then he ended with a cover. Brian's a lot of fun to talk to and I know you're going to have fun listening to Brian. As usual, we recorded at Gasoline Pony in Marrickville, so that's where we're going to join Brian on stage. Here's a song called Object of My Disaffection. You're the object of 
enjoy this second song there. Thank you. So that, that was a sample object of my disaffection. Um, I don't really have a story behind it, but I it was the uh, one of the first songs that came together really quickly when we were uh, rehearsing the album. So um, I'm glad it happened. And that falsetto bit in the middle was the first time I've sung it without Russell, my drummer, or uh, a girl helping me out. So uh... you done good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a song I call At Least You Did Not Know. It's the, um, I think it's a key song of the album. Uh, it's the first song I, I ever had, ever recorded with those string, with strings behind it and had the privilege of playing, having it orchestrated with a, and arranged by a, a boy called George Ellis, who's um, a bit of a city. It's a uh, legend in my books. But anyway, here it is. Sands strings. Here again, and with you, I 
I have to say, I like your stuff. It's pretty good, and uh, most of your records I really enjoy. Well, we're big fans of your records, too. We like to think that Hard Day's Night is our guiltiest charge. Great record. Excellent album. We learned a lot from Great it. Great record. Well, we're real big fans of y'all. Huge fans. You guys are almost as good as the monkeys. You guys are great. Brian, thank you for those songs. You played uh, the object of my disaffection that at least you did not know. But look, I'm really glad you did that second song because it's really indicative of A, the record, but B, you know, just the acoustic vibe that we're going for here. Uh, and congratulations on the album. You have a new album out called Every Little Thing, which is album number five for you. Yes. Uh, but it's not just your album. It's, it's credited as Brian Estepper and... Tempe 2. Tempe 2. Yes. Tell me about the Tempe 2, Brian. Well, it's essentially... Well, the, the bass player and the, the drummer in my, my old five-piece band, well, my regular five-piece band, so that's Dave Keys on bass and Russell Crawford on drums, who many here have played with at one point. And it was... It was the name that Dave, the bass player, came up with as a tribute to, I think it's Johnny Cash's The Nashville 2, where it's called. Hello. Tennessee 2, Tennessee two that's yeah. right, yeah. So uh, it was sort of a play on that, and I loved it. And it was a joke to start with, and I thought, <laughs> why can't it be patient to or Cabramatta to or something? Yeah. Uh, but Tempe did have a nice vibe to it, and for some reason it stuck. So. Well, we're very close to Tempe. But how does that, how does that make it, how does that make it uh, different? Like, you decided, you made, and for a lot of time, well, you've done some solo stuff, for people who don't know, uh, and you've played in a band called Adeline, but you've now, for the last few years, you've kind of moved to making, you know, fairly full band records, five-piece bands and two guitars. This was you moving away from that and doing something different. And there's a great intimacy to that record. Yeah. When did you make that decision? After the last record, or? Well, it actually happened. I remember coming home. We did a we did a tour in Europe in early 2015, and it was great. It was the five-piece stuff that was regular, regularly happening when I when I go on tour. And when we got back, I felt. I've ridden the, the big five-piece wave for a little while, so for, for the time being, for now, I felt like for me to challenge myself for, to, to write differently, maybe, I needed to strip the band back, and that wasn't easy because I was essentially telling two of my best friends in the band that they're not going to be in the band, <laughs> that it's going to be a reincarnation of what, whatever was going to happen, which I did not know what was going to happen, but something in my gut was telling me that I needed to make a change. Yeah, look, that is, a, that is definitely a hard thing for songwriters that I know as well, and also songwriters I've read about, where you want to change things up and be creative, but you're dealing with people that, you know, you're friends with, oh. your wife is friends with, everyone, so, and was it a difficult decision for you, or was it, did you feel like everyone got what you were trying to do? Well, first, thank goodness for Facebook Messenger, because then you can have to face them. No, I've got to be honest, that's, that's how I first approached it, you know what I mean? But they were sort of getting, I was sort of giving out hints. I was sort of thinking about it already on tour, and I was, they were asking me, hey, Brian, well, what's going to happen with you know, thinking about a new record? And I was saying, well, I really want to screw it back. But I did not know how drastic a change I was going to make. So, um, but they, they did get it, and, you know, two of these guys I've played with since the beginning of me trying to be a, a solo guy that's, well over 10 years now and so it was hard but I 
it, uh, uh, it wasn't a, to me it wasn't personal because I knew it was also music the same way that Neil would Neil Young would go from Crazy Horse or switch to a you know Promise with a Real or what that, that kind of thing I always felt yeah, it was kind of definitely. it was never to me that that big five piece thing was always going to come back but for me to have some sort of motivation to write different for the next record I felt I, I needed to kick myself in the ass a bit so that's what I did. And, and how did that kick me ass feel like? Because I oh, guess, great. I guess, <laughs> felt really good. I guess you're playing a lot more guitar. That's I guess yeah. the first thing that I noticed when I see you live. And I guess the other thing is maybe the intimacy of the songs. Um, have you saw you playing just recently and, and listening to the record? Like it opened about as quietly as you've ever played. Absolutely. Um, was that part of the songwriting? Is that where you went? Yeah, I, I think I wanted more space in the record and. I think we achieved that because I'm so entrenched in, you know, your Wilco's and your Beach Boys where the layers sort of create, you know, to me, it makes essential to create those layers to get the sound I want in my head. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Free Pieces. As you know, I'm a massive UMI fan. I love Cream. I love, you know, Hendrix Experience Trio. I just love Free Pieces as well. And so that was part of the inspiration. I thought maybe there was more room, I wouldn't crap around so much, you know, for unnecessary parts. No, I want to pick you up on that because when I first heard that you were doing this, you were stripping back and you have a fantastic bass player and drummer that can fill it all out. Oh, I was, great. Great. I was thinking, oh, Brian might make an album like The Who or, you know, all those great frequencies. Yeah. Um, but that's not what the record that you no. make, is it? Is that the record that you, and we'll talk about the record that you made for people who haven't heard it. But was that your intention going in, to strip no. it back to the original? We had no idea. Right. To be honest, when, when I first stripped as a free piece, the other two firstly thanked me for keeping them in the band. So, <laughs> like, we made a cut. It was actually nice. We were at a footy. Well, one thing us, the, the two remaining, the two, Dave and Russ, Daddy Cole, were, were mad like the lead nuts. Yeah. So the first thing I did to sort of talk about it was not bring them to a pub or have a meeting. We, actually, we actually went to a South Sydney game. We went to a Bunnies game and then and we had a chat there, so there was a lot of external noises around, so it felt like it was like, oh, we're thinking it's a three-piece now, the others are gone, but it's cool, oh, how good are the bunnies going? So it was sort of, that, so part of me, that was sort of intentional for me, so, but there was no intention, and and then when we first rehearsed as a three-piece, of course, I had this freedom to crank my guitar up and just play the fuck out of my guitar, and that's when the other two sort of stepped in and said, why are we doing this? What's the purpose? It sounds like you're over you're compensating for the other team not being there. And they were right. And as soon as that happened, the dynamics of the band changed. And all of a sudden, Dave, Pease, and Russell, there were some of the band leaders, which was, for me, it was great. Yeah, you talked about that as well. And there's a fantastic sort of EPK of your new album that was great. And you talk about handing that over as well. And see, yeah. like, the, the. It's all great. It's very interesting because you, you know. Um, you have less members in the band thinking that you get more say and vote and less of a gang. But not only did you work with these two guys in a deeper way, you also got a, a producer you haven't worked with before no. that's also a fantastic musician, yeah. oh, Brendan Gallagher. And, you, uh, and talk about Brendan, I mean, were you a fan of Chemical? Uh, yeah, I knew a Carmel County, but to me what sold me was his work with uh, Bernie Hayes, who's probably in the upper echelon of me in terms of songwriting and singing. He's up there, and I just had a feeling that Brendan, 
I actually met Brendan at a at Bernie Hayes' launch. I've seen him around, obviously, all these years, but we had a quick chat. I introduced myself, and then this could be an opportunity. But it wasn't until later that I just always follow my gut whenever it comes to recording anything new, and something felt right about asking. How long ago was that? When did you meet Brendan? Um, well, I think that was the, well, the last Bernie Hayes album, so that was in the mid, about a year ago. Yeah, right. That's yeah. Soon, yeah. Yeah, it was literally like that. I, I had no intention of recording the record. I didn't, I didn't even have any songs up until October, November last year. Really? And I had no money. So, <laughs> so it's just the typical case of most songwriters, I think, because I'm not prolific at all. So You're writing when you have an opportunity to record. Mm. Well, because you, you've also mentioned that this album, it, in a way, picks up from a lot of threads that you've written about previously, but also develops them uh, in a way to where you are now, which is a little bit older, yeah. relationships and life is where it is. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me about that because you, you see, even though the band has changed, you see a connection with that, you know, the love songs and the relationship songs. I think it's, it's less superficial for me. Whilst yeah. when we're in our early 20s or 18, 19, trying to write songs, you, you, you try to pick up on what you think things are meant to feel or things are what it's meant to happen. So you're almost just latching onto things that may or may not actually be true. But I think for me, the difference for me now is that I thought uh, there might be a bit more substance, something that's more real for me to write about. So if I'm like, I was inspired, for example, hearing Papa write a song about his kids, and it wasn't like on the moment, so it's just, it was actually great. So I thought, hey, it's okay to write a song about your kids. And like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, so... So, so Carpo, for, for those listeners, yeah. Michael Carpenter, who was on a podcast three weeks ago. Somehow his presence is still around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, look, that's very interesting, and he played a wonderful song about the kids, and... Yeah. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those, those are very interesting songs, because when I was in my early 20s, I would hear songs about people's kids. I just think they were the worst thing that exactly. were. <laughs> I still think party it is. At least, except for Beautiful Boy. You know, that's just... But, yeah, but that was the difference. I wanted to write, I didn't want to write an overly sentimental song. I wanted to say that the world you know, could be shit. It could be shit. But it's okay too, you know. So that's, I guess, the sort of sentiment I wanted to give out. So that felt good for me. It was one of the first songs that my wife took an interest in. <laughs> it's true because many of you guys who have partners uh, who write songs, they don't really give a shit. So, no, they don't. And that, that's just, they do, but. Just, um, no, 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 they do, but they don't. Because they, they, the thing with my wife is that she needs me to play the same shit all over and over again. So, if I hear a replay, I'll keep playing that till the cows come home and she'll just go, that's that song you just played nonstop, and she just wanted to have a bar of it. So, but for that song, she actually paid attention. It was nice, and you know, just acknowledge where we're at and what we're doing now. So. Tell me about the songwriting. So did the songs come quickly once you sort of had yeah. an idea of where you were going to go? Yeah, it did actually. I'm, I'm kind of like that. Once I'm a, I'm a deadline sort of <laughs> setting a goal. So if I knew I was going to do okay, I get a crowdfunding here, and you have to be in the studio there. I had to have some ready. But and it, it just came without forcing it. Like a feature did not know that someone played earlier. I don't even remember. That happened really quickly, but I don't remember uh, laboring over it. 
for months on end, like something would. Do you, in those times when you're not writing, do you have ideas and just put them away for later? Do you write down lyric ideas? Do you? My smartphone, that's uh, that's actually saved me. Yeah, right. I kid you not. That, the notes part of your smartphone. I've, I've written my last two records on my smartphone. Like, jotting ideas and writing them down. It's terrible because I shouldn't text while I'm driving, but I literally I've pulled over at Cam Five because I've had a melody and just. Did you do the voice memo? Yeah. The, the, there's a new thing. Yeah. Just the, the, yeah. Yeah. There's a new voice memo app that Apple has created. I'm sure they'll take 30% of every song written on that. Probably. So. <laughs> um, and I can't I can't even sign up for my own writing, so I need I need some sort of I need to hear it back. Yeah. So um yeah those things have helped and. Little phrases here and there. If I hear it, I'll write it down. So. Uh, I want to get back to what you were saying about, you know, this isn't, you know, you make really lovely melodic, uh, warm, bright music, but lyrically, that's not really the case in this record. Mm. There's there's a bit of shade and darkness, which is lovely, yeah. but you know, it'd be really easy to, to and you've written those sort of songs before, like Joy's yeah. pop song. Yeah. Uh, was that? something that was conscious in what you were trying to do, or did that sneak in and you realised that you were... Yeah, I think I'm getting better at picking up on what's happening to the people around me. But it's not necessarily like a biographical. Sorry, English is my second language. I'm still learning the ropes. Uh, 37 years. I um, Patrick Stewart saying that word from Can I say something funny? Yeah. So I was thinking about it, we played a show at the Midnight Special. Is this probably, is that the first time maybe two Asian Australians have... Yeah, and, yeah. and what's back was the fact that you, you fucking put your guitar down and you just sang. So it became a karaoke hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about it, and going, oh my god, this has become you know, a stereotypical thing. But it was cool, because you killed it. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what's it like. And then Holly Pencil will never find out. No, so it's no, fine. no, she won't. Yes, she listens to this podcast, finally. Um, Hashtag. Emotion. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about the object of my disaffection, which is the single. Yep. And yeah, very much. You know, sound could could be melodically could be like a nice bright love song, but. I think it was. Uh, I like. I was playing on the little phrase "object of my affection." Yeah. So I thought it's about essentially a couple breaking up. Yeah. May or may not be fictional. But, yeah, and I just I just went with that, and and I went with I really don't. You know, I just followed that theme and wrote about it. But I just like that term, object of my disaffection. I don't even know if that's proper English. Disaffection is that a word? It is. It is now. It is now. Okay. We'll have to ask Pauline Hanson. We'll have to we'll ask. Um, and you recorded this in a very interesting place. You yeah. Recorded this in a building that I have been through many many times. What about pavilion? Never been in. How great. Is that friend of the studio? There's great footage of it on the object yeah. of my disaffection film clip is yeah. from there. Yeah. How did that feel to be? Well, to start with you had you had natural light, which is nice. That I was going through and Brendan's pretty casual. So um you know, so he just let us sort of run and it was just different vibes. So it didn't feel like we were recording at times because we'd go outside and we'd have the beach and we'd have fish and chips. It was just really bizarre. Then we'd come back and work. Then, then at the end of it, Russell would go, I'm just going to go for a swim, guys, while you finish that track. And he'd literally go for a swim, come back, drive himself off. And 
done another jump track. It just it was bizarre, but it was good, you know. So his idea wasn't to do that. Well, it was more out of necessity because that's where Brendan records. Right, that's his studio. Well, he gave me the option to go to Redfern, and he said Redfern Bondi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a pretty easy choice for me. Yeah. Uh, how many hours do you reckon you you spend on the recording? We've done pretty quickly, so I think my budget only allowed me to record for about eight to nine days. So, um, That's pretty good these days. Yeah, well, I did a record with Carbacco in about 10 days as well. Less, maybe. So it can be done. It's just how it is with. Um, and you were super rehearsed? No. No? No, I don't, I don't believe in over rehearsing. I mean, the performance suffers sometimes, but I trust those guys implicitly. So to me, uh, they, they were pushing me harder than what I was pushing them. So, um, and I think it made a difference. Things like having, knowing what the tempo is before we go into the studio. Little things like that that I just wouldn't think about. Yeah. They do it and they don't nail it. So it became easier in everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's great to have musicians like that. Tell me about some of the guests. Because like, this isn't a, a, a guitar, bass and drums record either. No. There's strings, like you mentioned. And you know, this, this was all part of taking away from what I thought this record was going to be, this like a punch of three piece hi-fi I think, I think that was, that was the, to be honest, that was the, one of the intentions because, you know, I love those records so much and I thought I was going to try and, that's my, it sort of just grab the spirit of those records, but it never really happened because I still like the layers, I still like to hear the other parts here and there and, and I was lucky to work with guys like George Ellis who's done work with Nathan Washington and, Josh Pike in the church. Yeah. So, and he brought in some young guns from the Sydney Con, and they killed it, you know. So, um, and it was, yeah, it was a real privilege to watch him arrange string parts in 15 20 minutes because that's all we had, honestly. So, um, it was amazing. And how were the concerts? I find that they, they really quite enjoy slumming it and playing on an indie rock record. You know what they did? They're, they're great, <laughs> they take instructions really well, but. There was one part of what at least you did that one of the songs where I asked them just to completely just fuck up what they were they were thinking they were gonna play. But instead of playing it straight, you just did quavers or just go nuts and, and that was really liberating for them, I think. Because yeah, if you see the film on part of it, I don't know if we made it, but they were just smiling in the E because it was something completely different to what they normally do. So I, I, I might have taken them out of the comfort zone a little bit, which hopefully came out and play. So do you think you'll keep the temperature around? I know you've been doing solo gigs and you've been doing solo yourself and you picked up bands and you're actually travelling around, you did some shows around Australia and you're playing with whoever. Yeah. Um, is this something you're pursuing or...? Yeah, for the meantime, but it's always going to change. I might... I, I want to make a big guitar record, for example. Yeah. I'm not necessarily shredding anything, I just want to make a big, you know, replacement style. It's dinosaur junior kind of. I don't know. Just you know, I'm a '90s kid, so I love hearing you know big guitars, and, and I also love you know early '80s rock and roll. So it's just I don't know. I feel like there's a guitar record in me left still to come out, which I haven't really done. So yeah, I was thinking that there's probably yeah you playing really heavy lead guitar on more of your stuff, and you were you were doing that a little bit more when I saw you. 
yeah. without having that lead guitar player and yeah. you know, filling out the space. And it would be very interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, would already, I don't replay it too much. I always have ideas. I guess it's just whatever's happening at the time, whatever the circumstances, and, you know, what songs come out of it. Hopefully it's still something. So. Uh, and I guess it just relies on whether or not Russell and Dave are on Facebook Messenger. Well, the good thing Facebook Messenger is you can see straight away whether they've seen your messages. So those, those fuckers have no excuse to ignore them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. You saw it at 1.55am. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you reply at 1.56am? So I love well, that. You actually sent me a message the other night. Like last night, I think maybe even, and I didn't reply to it. I don't know. You probably saw me that I read it. Ah, maybe you read it, so. Um, I've asked you to do a cover, yep. uh, and you've chosen. Do you want to tell people? I'm going to do a J-Hawk song called All The Right Reasons. It's, I guess it's one of those songs that had real sentimental value to me. It's really one of, our, one of my wedding songs. And, um, and a really good backstory to it, actually. We, the night before we flew out for our wedding, uh, Gary Lewis and Mark Olsen, J-Hawk's guys, were actually playing in Gandalf. Yeah, so, um, so um, through one of one of my friends, Vinny Romani actually told him that we were getting married, that that was our song. So they dedicated a song to us during the gig. It wasn't all the right reasons, but at the merch table, I introduced myself, and he started singing all the right reasons. And we had about 60, 80 people behind me, lining up to buy merch, all singing along with the song. It was magic. Wow. And, and he was looking right at my wife and thinking, this fucker's gonna steal my wife. And I, <laughs> and I, honestly, because he had this look, he's really good looking and he had the hair and he's, he plays in his she really well. I mean, it's just a perfect combination to steal my missus. So uh, I thought, yep, yeah, better cut, cut the sky short. Uh, yeah, uh, when, when the lights are off, I can tell you a couple of characters. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, well, yeah, well, since then. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, but it's one fun. of my favorite bands of all time. It's, they're probably up there in my top 10 bands, and that's saying a lot. And he's a wonderful guitar player. Too. Oh, amazing. Yeah. He's tiring, he's just immaculate. Sorry. <laughs> As I lay up on my bed, I begin dreaming. Story, the day that I am free. Once I settle like the dust up on the table, then you came along. You helped me write the song. I don't know what day it is. I can't recall the seasons. Outside looking in, you made me live again. 
to Brian for being on our show and being part of our first recording night. To find out more about Brian, go to brianastepper.com and there will be links in the description of this podcast. To join us for a live recording, make sure you keep an eye on thenewalbumshow.com or follow us on social media everywhere at The New Album Show. You can also find more of our podcasts and videos of our recordings on YouTube and various social media. You can also follow me at YowAmI on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening. Now, go listen to something new. My oh my, this is unexpected. Caught up guard, you and me surprised. Played along like it's all in its place. Fortune's built on the roll of the dice. And it's you that's keeping me waiting. I should fall.